Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Boys in Red and White podcast. We are recording on the 14th of February, so it's Valentine's Day, which gives me a lovely introduction to say happy Valentine's Day to my better half, Andre Grayson. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Dow. <laughs> I always love it when I throw you off with a comment like that. <laughs> It's very good. Very good. The love is in the air. <laughs> How yeah, are you? Good, How are you, good. my friend? I, I'm uh, feeling like I think every Arsenal fan right now, scared to believe, scared to believe, but so desperate to let go and be all in. That's how I'm feeling right now. Not not right this minute, but more generally. How are you? Well, as you uh, will no doubt bring up on this podcast, I've texted you a couple of times over the last couple of days to uh, say um, how much I'm obsessing over the league table and over the form of other teams. Um, and you politely reminded me that I always obsess over those sorts of things. So, <laughs> so nothing new, really. But uh, no, I'm, I'm, get, I'm definitely getting gripped with the whole um, idea of top four. And I'm getting gripped by results going our way and obviously our results going favorably as well um so yeah i'm feeling good but i'm feeling apprehensive about the running i'm i'm totally with you i'm totally with you um i had a lot of time to reflect on the drive back from wolves and my override did you i bet i had more time than you (laughs) (laughs) ah yes Uh, well my my thinking was over relatively quickly in comparison to yours um (laughs) but what time did you get home (laughs) i was in bed by one comfortably um, okay, I, I was in. I was in bed by three. <laughs> oh, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. Getting out of wolves was all that. I, I really blew that, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but I just and then all I was thinking is, well, I'm not going to get ahead of myself after that win because of the games that were happening this weekend. You know, I know Southampton beat Spurs. Could they get anything off Man U? I'm not sure. Leicester are so off form. Could West Ham drop points? Wolves, after we've beaten them, they're unlikely to go to Spurs and win. So just calm down on it. And it it's all opening up. And the more you look at our fixtures, and the more you look at other teams' fixtures, the, the harder it becomes to think, we, ha- we have to do this now. We have to do this now. And I know I'm sort of getting ahead of myself because there's loads we want to unpack, but... It's all on. It's all on for us. I can't. And it's it's almost what is stress inducing, I think, for every Arsenal fan is we've got so much trauma around all of this that almost daring to believe that we could waltz to fourth place is what's terrifying. I just I can't see it, but it has to happen. We are favourites by a significant margin at this point. And I think I saw a tweet the other day that said it all. It said the only team that can stop Arsenal finishing fourth is Arsenal. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Um, I'm very much on the same page as you and it's, uh, it's, it's causing me a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety. Um, and I, obviously I texted you this morning and said, we have to win our next three games to put some pressure on the rest of the chasing pack. Um, and obviously, for those that are unaware, our next three games are Brentford at home, Wolves at home, then Watford away. And all three of those you look at and you think we really have to win those games if we're going to have a chance of making that that running. But having said that, I would I looked at a game like Burnley at home and thought we absolutely have to get three points from that game. We drew nil-nil and all of a sudden, one game later, 
we're we're <laughs> we're in a really strong position. So it's just going to be one of those seasons where it's just all all the teams around us are remarkably inconsistent, mm. and it's going to be a case of it if we can maintain some degree of consistency between now and the end of the season, we will more than likely get top four. Mm. Um, so it's it's but it's, it but it's it's unbelievably. Um, stressful thinking about, but it is wide open. Um, so I think that's uh, obviously that's going to be a big part of this podcast. Now, obviously, we're not going to talk about our commentary quiz or anything like that today because it's been a significant time since we last recorded. So I think it's it's only right that we sort of unpack everything that's been going on since then. Obviously, we've had the January transfer window. We've got the Wolves game on Thursday night to think uh, to speak about our potential rivals, and then obviously. Um, talking about the transfer window that has been and gone as well. So there's lots to talk about. And I'm acutely aware that Andre could have to pop off at any time on a work call. So we need to make sure this is this is to the money, very efficient, effective podcasting. So shall we start with Wolves, Andre? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, let, well, look, I think, why don't we start with both driving up, um <laughs> yes. No, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about how much more superior my journey was than yours, but appalling decision from me to find the only spot of match day parking and absolutely appalling. But I was so sure I'd got this nailed, but I really ballsed it up. But met you and uh, your your dad Mick. Um and I, I, I could sense not from not from Mick, in fairness, but you and I had a look of two people who felt like they were going to witness a loss. Um, yeah. And I think team was as expected, maybe minus Cedric. Um, but I had no faith. I had no faith, not because of the lineup, just looking at Wolves' form, feeling we'd be rusty. You know, I just didn't feel like we were, you know, the fact we lost to them the last twice last season the fact we hadn't played them at home yet when we should have done the fact we tried to sign Ruben Neves in the summer it was just quite a lot there that felt very um rhetoric that follows us the narrative I should say that follows us but it didn't transpire but yeah when I saw the team I mean I look at our team now and I look at that first 11 obviously minus Tommy Asu for White uh, sorry Tommy Asu for Cedric and I think we have got a really good first 11 and it's a team that I really like, you know, there's not a single player I don't like. And, you know, cause obviously we can roll in a bit of the transfer window to this discussion, but I really like those players. They give everything. Um, and just seeing those names on the team sheet, it's exactly what you want. And the consistency in selection is back feeling very positive about that. Um, despite how we were feeling about what the score might be. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair summary. Um, before I get onto anything, I will just uh, clear up the parking situation because if anything, this podcast is a podcast dedicated to away parking. <laughs> and obviously, you had suggested uh, a wonderful location, just about a five minute walk to the ground. And I parked up, you parked up, and then almost simultaneously, we spotted the signs that said that it was. Permit holders. New only. signs. <laughs> new signs from the last time uh, I was Brand new signs. New signs. Brand new signs. Um, and what made this even more 
spectacular is that within two minutes of that conversation, you had located on the same road match day parking for five pounds. I had uh, the only, the only fallback being that you didn't have any cash and you had to uh, wait for Mick Dow to turn up to help, <laughs> but. Um, he did help. He was happy to help, and obviously, you uh, reimbursed him for his troubles, I did. which was a uh, un- unnecessary of you. Which I said at the time, but you said it was totally necessary. <laughs> it was, it was. <laughs> but but that was that was obviously the first bit. And then, like you, I was really, really um, not confident about the result. My dad, on the other hand, was quietly confident. He he had predicted a two-one victory, um, which I I never felt was all that likely, given. We struggled to score at times, and so do Wolves. Um, but uh, that was his prediction, and he was far closer to being correct than either of us because we were more than prepared for a loss. Um, as with the lineup, uh, it was as expected. The only disappointment was obviously Cedric starting ahead of uh, ahead of Tommy Asu, who was unfortunately out. But realistically, that that's what was to be expected. And I think I'm just going to echo what you've said is that the teams that we are playing um, or we're putting out at the moment is a team that you can really get behind. And all of them are players that you you feel real affinity towards and you feel like they're, they're giving their all for the shirt. And that's, that's part of the battle. That is what you want from your football club. You want your team to go out there and give it their all. You want them to be proud of representing the shirt. And you want to feel proud of them for representing the shirt. And that's... That's something which we haven't haven't really had for quite a while now. And whatever you say about Arteta and whatever you think about him and his leadership qualities um, within this squad, that's something that he has brought back. And there's a real feel-good factor um, among the supporters. As a case in point with that, I was looking this afternoon um, for a on the ticket exchange for a ticket for Brentford just for just for a friend of mine and. I noticed that it was virtually impossible to find a ticket, mm-hmm. which is, is fantastic. Brentford at home is sold out and there's no tickets on the ticket exchange. That's that's fantastic. That shows where this club is going at the moment and, and where that feeling of happiness and just feeling content with everything that's going around the club is at the moment. It's, we've spoken previously on podcasts about the support amongst the away fans and how that's improved. But I think it's starting to creep into the home fans as well and people want to go to those games. Um, so that's that was probably my original thoughts and obviously my thoughts today having having looked on the ticket exchange. Uh, completely, completely. I mean, I mean, we've got to talk about the Wolves game because I, I have to say I was looking... I, I, it was kind of a nil-nil game on reflection. I mean, we had a very strange, yeah. something that I think people won't understand unless they go to games, any version of games, not just away games, but you literally couldn't see what had happened. And the way their goalie went down, we sort of went, hey, as we saw the ball hit the back of the net, just assuming it's going to get ruled out. And then yeah. you don't know whether it's going to go to VAR. You don't know whether it's going to go to anything. So we didn't celebrate the goal at all. And that's, it was really weird, really weird. Yeah, and I watched it back. And if you watched it on TV, you'd have celebrated that goal. You'd think there's no way this is getting ruled out. And it's normally the other way around, that you get a better match day sort of, um, it really goes off. Whereas that just did not happen. 
Yeah, um, I, I completely agree because it was it was one of the most surreal experiences I've had celebrating goal. Um, the only one that I would say is comparable to to that that I've been at a football match um, was when. Do you remember when we were at Old Trafford and Aubameyang equalised yes. and it got disallowed for offside? Yes. And that was obviously, it's very different in the sense that we still had that euphoric atmosphere once the goal got given. But it was very much a a calmed experience. Whereas obviously the Wolves game was was unique in itself that there was no celebration until they went running back to the halfway line and the referee restarted play. Mm. And our section of the ground, that was when you heard that, that sort of roar was only when the play restarted because I think everyone around us was kind of in the same boat. Um, and I, I spoke about this to, um, to you and to my dad, actually, uh, about the the setup of the away end at Wolves. And obviously, for those that haven't been, Wolverhampton Wanderers, you get the lower tier of one of the side stands. And I, I feel like it kind of takes away from the... the consistent atmosphere of a ground because it is so spread out and although it was a good atmosphere like our section was really good and my dad spoke about his section being really good as well um there was they didn't feel like there was that unity amongst the fan base purely because of how spread out everyone was Mm. um and obviously we're going to have that as a factor with the goal celebrations as well because my dad spoke about it and from his angle he was down the other end he could see that there was nothing wrong with the goal and celebrated and we obviously didn't do that. And likewise, when they equalised or thought they'd equalised, um, we were at a position where we had no idea if that goal was going to be given. And my dad at the other end said that he could see straight away that he was offside and he had no problems with it. So we're celebrating the fact that they hadn't scored. And our section was a bit bit muted in that sense. Um but yeah, so it's 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 it was it's a weird away ground, but I, I do really enjoy it. Actually, yeah, absolutely. And we have to talk about the start, the pyrotechnics, the the rave before kickoff, which I'd wow. forgotten about. <laughs> <laughs> Wolverhampton, <laughs> hi ho, Wolverhampton. Of, yeah, my body memory of the whole trip is just you so happy when they were singing the Hi-Ho Wolverhampton just every time going Wolverhampton <laughs> I, I did win a lot of plaudits for that um, I won fewer <laughs> you also won- I won fewer for my expletives <laughs> towards the end of the game towards Michael Oliver um, <laughs> you did but purely because there just happened to be a six year old girl next year <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, my family would be so proud. You, but you, you also won a lot of plaudits. You also won a lot of plaudits when um, they were singing uh, a song about Ruben Neves, and you replaced it <laughs> by singing the Me- the Meza Ozil song. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then joyfully, I've been in a coma for six years, so we don't do that anymore. <laughs> that was funny. I did enjoy that. I did enjoy that. I wonder if we'll ever sing about Ozil again in future years. You know how we sing about Ro- Rocky Rocar? So I know he didn't quite achieve um, anything, really, Ozil, other than he was great to watch. But it's, it's interesting, isn't it, that certain players will will carry through the years. We still very much sing about Sol Campbell. You'll still, if you've had a big win, sing about Henri and Bergkamp and Freddie and Sesk even comes back from time to time. Um, yeah. I wonder if we'll ever sing that again. Who knows? Maybe when he turns up to speak on the side of the pitch to Nigel Mitchell. Um, 
will we will we maybe get on Nige? <laughs> maybe have a chance. But um, I have to say, we have got to talk about the red card because what, whatever we saw in the ground, um, uh, of course, it was the other side of the pitch. We weren't really sure what had gone on, um, and all, all I really have to say on it is, I there's no anti-Arsenal agenda. I'm not that. Um, kind of person that thinks that. I definitely did a few years ago, though. I definitely would have been all over that and finding anyone on social media to disagree with. But <laughs> I just think, yet again, we're dealt the harshest possible punishment. And the same was true with Gabrielle. I don't think there's been other punishments, really. I think for us, it just feels like it's been a, a slurry, a flurry, sorry, of... Um, red cards that some are justified, some aren't. And it's an accumulation thing for the fan base. But if you take the red cards we've had this season on merit, Xhaka's first against City is a red card. Um, Xhaka's second against Liverpool is a red card. Um, Thomas Partey's against Liverpool is a red card. Uh, It's hard to argue with those. But the Man City game, because you know like the, the Wolves players moaning about us celebrating. Weirdest thing, by the way. Um, but you know, I've got a lot to say uh, on that. What, so what we'll they don't understand, <laughs> if you sure, if you take that game in isolation, we probably went a bit far as players. That is fair enough. I, you know, I will agree that we probably mm-hmm. I went ballistic at the final whistle, like we'd won something. I really did, but it was because what they don't understand is the build-up of how it made us feel as fans and players. And for me, it helped. It does feed into our, us feeling more united in them against us, but. You can't understand, unless you follow us week in, week out, how painful it's been having players sent off. The injustice of the Bernardo Silva penalty, the injustice of their late equaliser because we had 10 men when he really didn't need to send players off. Um, And this Martinelli one, I am sorry, it's a foul throw, okay? You have to stop play. And even if he pulls someone down, you cannot send a player off. That is not so egregious that you must change the game to 10 v 11. It is insane refereeing from Michael Oliver. It is not even by the letter of the law. It is so ridiculous. And sure, okay, I, like I saw things like, well, like uh, one of our mates, Mark, texted me. He was like, well, we were, we were already winding him up because of the time-wasting. I was like, but, but what about the Burnley game? They were time-wasting from the first minute. We're not the only time-wasters in the division. You know... Do me a favour. That is never, ever, ever a red card. Ever. Ever. You never see it. I cannot believe it was a red card. I think it actually helped us see out the game on reflection. <laughs> so I think... I agree. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> and actually, Rob Holding was brilliant at the back there. And we are really quite good now at seeing things out with that back five. And I think Arteta's got to look at that for certain... Um, games or phases of games for the next little while, you know, because every point's going to matter. But I I, I don't know what you think in in regards to this or anything to add. I just think it's never a red card in a million years, although they are two bookable offences. I, I, you know, I'm not blind to what he tries to do, but he tries to stop an attack and doesn't do it. He only stops the attack once. Yellow card. Yeah. The end. The end. I just, can't, I still can't believe it. Yeah, I think I'm, uh, I'm very much on the same page as you, um, and I think most Arsenal fans are. And I think 
the thing that I left the ground thinking was that, firstly, like you just said, in isolation, those are two bookable offences. Okay, fine. But I've never, ever seen that happen the whole time I've been following football. Um, and it's just, it's it's unbelievably harsh. Um, and it, it didn't it didn't feel like, there's certain red cards that you look at and you think the referee's got no alternative there. That was not one of them. That was absolutely not one of them. That was a case of a referee choose, choosing the harshest punishment. And I actually really liked Arteta's press conference where, and I know he got a bit of criticism for it actually, but he said that you have to have a will to do that to make that decision. Yeah. And I com- I completely agree with that because it did feel that way. And I'm I- I'd like to think I've matured enough, and I'm not at the point where, like you said at the start of this. This diatribe that I'm—I don't think there's agen- an agenda against Arsenal, but I do think, particularly the two examples you've given in the uh, the Man City game and obviously the Wolves game the other night, I do feel like we've been given the harshest possible treatment, and it's one of those things that you'll you'll look at. And I, I mean, I spoke to someone at work about it and told them what had happened because they hadn't actually seen it. And he was just like, well, yeah, but technically he's right. And I was just like, yeah, technically you, you could make a case for that. But like you said, you've not got the opportunity. Well, firstly, is that if a player knows he's on a yellow card, he's not going to make the second one, is he, realistically? No, he's not. So it changes the psyche of the game entirely. Because Martinelli doesn't go and make that second challenge if he already knows he's on a yellow card. So that's the first thing. You'd hope not. And then this, you'd hope not. Wouldn't put it past some of our players, but I'd like to think Gabriel Martinelli wouldn't be that silly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is, like you've said, um, I'm not sure. I just, I'm not even going to make a second point actually because I think that I think you've covered it. I've covered it in that little bit there. It's it's a nonsense red card, and I, I haven't seen it happen um, against any other team. And it makes me think of. Do you remember when Xhaka got sent off against Swansea? 100. Exactly the red card I go and to. It, yeah, and it makes me think of that because I've never seen that happen since then either. No. Nope. Um, and I, I case in point. Of, on uh, the Newcastle game yesterday, there was Joel Linton made two fouls consecutively and only received a yellow card. And I looked at that and thought, rightly so. Well, <laughs> rightly so. I wouldn't want him to get re- a red card for that. But it's the same... Print- he actually made three fouls in the, whole- <laughs> in the same incident. I, I, that, where but, he was chasing someone back, pulled the shirt, pulled the shirt again and yeah. then fouled him properly. Tripped him up. Yeah. 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 Totally. And there was another yeah. one, Pogba. And it just made me think I don't that. know if you saw the Pogba... Um, yeah. yeah, and it's just. But the thing is, is when you're watching football, you don't watch that and go red card. You go mm, yellow. You know, he knows what he's doing there. He kind of knows he sort of made one foul and then kicks the ball away. And, and the Martinelli yellow is just so. The second yellow is so. Oh, it's just so ridiculous. Um, but it's done. We move on. You've got to hope we can we can uh, win without him against Brentford. Something I wanted to ask you yeah. about, um, which we didn't really discuss at the time. Uh, Eddie's come in for quite a lot of criticism. Um, yeah. I don't know whether it's rightfully or wrongfully because the angle we had, you know, this looks like he wasn't trying, wasn't sprinting for everything. Um, I can see that. 
although it, I didn't see that, if, if you see what I'm saying. I, I didn't leave that game going, Eddie barely ran today, you know, he, no, I think I think you I, personally. I'd factor into a conversation that me and you had at the time, and we had a couple of people behind us who were very, very critical of Enketia because he wasn't chasing the goalkeeper down. And both you and I said to each other, "Well, if he does chase the goalkeeper down, they'll play it around him. They're straight at our midfield." And I, 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 I even said to you at one point, "Eddie, don't do that." Don't go in. Don't chase the goalkeeper. Stay where you need to be staying. And this is the whole point. We are 10 men. Mm. We're 10 men and you have to play differently with 10 men. Okay, you can make a case with 11 because we'd have that extra midfielder in there. Maybe you can go and chase the goalkeeper down. Yes. Don't, wouldn't, wouldn't always recommend it. But in this case, with 10 men and no one in behind him, I don't know. I don't understand what the criticism is. And it's... Well... Yeah, it's one of those things that everyone interprets the game differently, but I didn't see I, it. I would agree, but here's what I'd say. I Nicola Pepe can beat a man, has beaten a man, yeah. will take a chance. To have someone as a focal point up top, I've got to say I'm, I'd much rather see him in these away games. I, I am ready to see him. I think... Um, I don't think it should be the end of Eddie, although, like I said, people who watched on TV... We didn't sense this, and I agree with your assessment. Said it looked like he barely moved, and, and if that is the case, then I'm I'm all on aboard all aboard the Pepe train. But maybe Arteta's trying yeah. to keep Eddie engaged because you know we may need him because you know if you look at that Lacazette chance, which oh god, it felt so presentable at the time, and so oh. It was the last thing we needed, and it made us yearn for that striker in the transfer just take, window. It would just would have just taken the pressure off, and it's. Um, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Sorry, go ahead. Um, but but I think that that incident in isolation kind of highlighted the whole transfer window, um, and realistically, you'd expect someone like Pierre Emerick Aubameyang to take that chance. Mm. Um, and <laughs> there's two things it made me think of. The first thing is that before the game, Mikel Arteta came out and he said that I've got I've got Eddie Nketiah and I've got Alexander Lacazette and both are more than capable of scoring goals. And I, I and I said repeated that statement to you and said no, they're not. <laughs> and, and the second thing it made me think of is the group of guys behind us, and albeit they were very very intoxicated. Oh yes, <laughs> but one of them said. Lacazette, he's a finisher and nothing else. And both you and I turned to each other and said, that's probably the last thing he is. <laughs> <laughs> and that incident made me think of both of those things. A hundred percent. No, uh, uh, that guy smashed up that chair after he missed the chance. Um, that was very unnecessary. <laughs> when you look at it. Yeah, he smashed it into you. He did. He? he did. He actually snapped a bit of the chair. It's just madness. Anyway, um, but... It made me think of the transfer window and something definitely worth us discussing. You know, I felt as though when I reflected on the transfer window that I've watched Arsenal make maybe one million mistakes in the transfer market over the last recent years. And whilst I feel as though it may still come back to bite us and one win against Wolves, which we completely scrapped it out, does not mean that we were right. But equally... It helps justify and validate what we were thinking. I am very happy and believe that there is enough in our squad, especially considering our rivals' performances, 
to win the games on paper we should win. And in that, I don't include Liverpool, Chelsea, Spurs, Manu. Okay, four of those games, particularly Chelsea and Liverpool, I don't know how we get through those with any... Unscathed is how I'd like to... Do you know, no red cards, please. We'll take our 2-0 and go home. I know right now we're probably thinking, no, nah, fancy us. Fancy us to do Liverpool at home and Chelsea. That's, I understand. I understand why people feel like that. And we all like to get carried away. Um, but realistically, we can lose those games. Our job is to be yeah. good enough to win the other games, right? Have we got enough of a squad? I think just about we do. I really feel, unless we found the centre midfielder who is better than Xhaka and a striker who can do what Lacazette does and more, we have made the right choice. Because I have been sick and tired of seeing us wedded to an expensive, overpriced um, player that we, we struggle to move on and become burdened with. Our next two signings in those key positions will take us from a team that can finish top four to a team that is guaranteed top four to a team that then develops to a title challenging team and hopefully a title winning team. You make a mistake now, you make a 40, 50, 60 million pound mistake, you overpay on wages, it's all blown. So I could make my peace with it, although I cannot believe there's not a striker in world football, football better that was available that would like to play for the Arsenal than Eddie Nketiah. Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, I, 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 I'm agree. I'm in agreement. I, I'm not disappointed with our. I, I mean, let me backtrack a little bit. I was a little bit um, apprehensive about going into the rest of the transfer, uh, rest of the season, without um, someone we can rely on for goals. But like you said, we're not competing against those big teams. We are competing uh, for the best of the rest, essentially. And our consistency is going to be so vital between now and the end of the season in those games that are winnable. And I'm looking at that and I th and I agree. I think the squad we've got is more than capable of getting us through to the end of the season. And that's the big takeaway for me. It has to be. It has to be good enough to get us through to the end of the season. And I, I, I genuinely think. I think the target for this season was just to get back into Europe. And obviously, this opportunity to get into the top four has presented itself so magnificently that it's something that I just. I don't think we can afford to not take um, because I don't think we're going to have an opportunity as good as this for a long, long time. Um, but yeah, in terms of Lacazette and Nketiah, both look like they're leaving in the summer. It'd be, it'd be quite a shock if, if there was a, a turnaround with, with contracts-wise for that. Um, but someone like Nketiah, particularly if we are back in Europe next season, we will need a bigger squad. So maybe, like you said, maybe Arteta is looking to keep him engaged within the squad and keep him involved with the idea of trying to get him to sign a new deal. But I, I don't know. That's, that's sort of getting ahead of ourselves. But I am looking forward to... Um, well, I'm not looking forward to the end of the rest of the season, actually. That's a lie. Um, There's not going to be many games we sit comfortably or stand comfortably. No. I think that is, for me, nailed on. Um, I mean, Balogun, lovely assist. But I suppose, really, um, you know, I just think when you look at Man U and Spurs, do either of them, you know, Spurs' next game is Man City away. You know, 
uh, I believe they've still got to play each other at Old Trafford. I might be wrong there. But when you look at the fixtures, oh, for us, I just think we've got the right teams at the right time. And we've yeah. just got to go and make it count. I, I do worry about our ability to score goals. I mean, that is the only thing. Would a striker have completely changed that? I don't know. Um, but I suppose really to ask you, actually, just because he scored the winner and was imperious... Do you think Gabriel is the next captain in waiting? Because obviously since we last spoke, Aubameyang's left under a cloud. Yeah. I think everyone's spoken about that to death. But I don't know. I just feel as though he is uh, an outrageously good centre-half. And I, I absolutely adore his partnership with Ben White as well. Yeah, I think I think you've... Um... You've touched on a really good point there. And I, I think Lacazette um, in uh, a, a pre-match press conference about the, the Wolves game, um, as he said about Gabriel, that uh, about his understanding of English. And when he does understand English, he'll be an even be- better leader. Um, and I already think he's a player that leads by example. And I think when that communication is there, I think he is a captain in waiting. Um so, yeah, I completely agree with that. And I, I really hope that he carries on going from strength to strength. Because um, bear in mind, he's still a very young centre-half. And I think what he's doing at the moment and the partnership he's created with Ben White is fantastic. And we just want to see that continue. But realistically, I'm looking at him for next year and thinking, if Lacazette's not there, then we need a, we need to give the captaincy to someone. And I don't see many better candidates than Gabriel. I don't either. I don't either. Well, as we as we close in, Tom, because I, I have a hard stop, as I said, but yeah, top four. We're going to do it? I'm going to be optimistic and say we will do it because I, I, I think the next three are vital. If we win the next three and show that consistency across those three games, I think then we're we're very much in a, in a situation where we, we can be optimistic. Um, I, I, there's I think be we can afford to draw away. against Wolves. I, 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 when I looked at the home and away game, I'd have taken four points. Yeah. I think, I I actually think Wolves might be more of a challenger than than um, Man U or Spurs. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying that. Yeah. It's going to come back to bite me, isn't it? When we lose to both of them and finish sixth. Um, but I, I don't know. I just, I think we can afford to draw that one because our next game's Leicester at home, who are all over the place. Villa away, really Palace away. Brighton at home, who should have nothing to play for. Southampton away, nothing to play for. Man U at home might have got their act together. We're talking mid-April here. West Ham away, that's an enormous game. But then Leeds at home, yeah. Newcastle away, who I think, unfortunately, will probably stay up and be fine by then. And then, Ever- <laughs> <laughs> and then Everton at home. I mean, it, uh, when you say those fixtures, of course, that doesn't include away to Spurs, away to Chelsea, home to Liverpool, which need to be rearranged. But there's, you know... Yeah. I think I think we need to win how many's left now? Sixteen? I think we need to win yeah. ten and we've done it. Yeah. So and you can do what you like with the others. Win ten, Arsenal. Win ten. <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> It's, it's time to bring this podcast to a close and hopefully we will do it. Obviously, we'll try to be a bit more consistent with these podcasts um, as the running gets gets closer. And if the performances maintain and we keep the results up, then 
I'm sure we'll be very inclined to do some of these podcasts. So hopefully we'll do a few more between now and the end of the season. But Andre, good luck with your work call. Thank you very much. <laughs> have a have a good Valentine's Day. I hope you and uh, Mrs. Grayson have a have a lovely evening. Yep, same to, and, same um, to the Dows. <laughs> same to the Dows. And hopefully um, we'll be recording next time under a cloud of optimism that this is going to carry on. All right. So thank you for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to see what we're up to on social media, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter um, by searching for the boys in red and white. Uh, thank you for listening and we'll be back very soon with another podcast. Thank you. And goodbye.